Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911. Ruben Nava, Jesse Romero, two man car. 10 8 for Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Jesus. Uh, good morning, Jesus. Yeah, boy, that's your name, Jesus, right? Good morning, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Jesse, good morning, Ruben. Good to have uh, you back, man. We missed you last week. Hey, bro. I was. Uh, I. Fi- I don't know if you've ever had shingles, but it. It's very. I had. I got them in the ribs. Look, my my ribs look like pizza. Oh man. No, I haven't <laughs> got it because I'm not that old yet. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. It feels like if you uh, stepped in the ring with Canelo. And he just like laid into your body for a few rounds, man. I mean, my ribs were just tender, uh, very, very painful. Who knows what it is? Yeah, maybe it is old age. I don't know. <laughs> it's typically found as you get older. The you know the the people that get shingles. That's my understanding. But my wife got them at ten years ago. Oh wow! She got it ten years ago. You know, in her in her late forties. You know, mm. so yeah, who knows? But uh, yeah, I'm on the tail end of it. I'm feeling a lot better. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be on right now. Mm, okay Ruben what we want to talk about and uh I think both of us have a dog in the fight both of us are Mexican-American uh I know my parents are from Mexico I know you probably have some uh some descendants in Mexico as well in your family line right one of the things that's always perplexed me and that's what I want to get into today is Mexico is is uh was Christianity came to Mexico through Our Lady Guadalupe back in 1531. And it became a Christian civilization. They rejected the Aztec Empire. Christianity took over. And in fact, uh, you even see up until recent times when we saw that movie For Greater Glory, the incredible zeal that lay Catholics had, their love for the Mass, their love for the sacraments, their love for Viva Cristo Rey, Christ the King. But in the last couple of decades, Mexico has just fallen, fallen, I mean, literally into the hands of Satan through what we call the cartels. When you look at Mexico, uh, it's probably about as, uh, probably a little bit bigger than Texas. There is one article that I've seen, maybe it's, maybe things have changed. Some of these articles are older. I'm glad you sent some, some new ones. Uh, to me, it looks like if Mexico is cut up into a pizza and you've got different families, different cartel families that run different parts of Mexico. Yep. And they're all ruthless killers. Ruben, Islamic terrorists have nothing on these guys. Now, I understand why Islamic terrorists do what they do. I mean, this is a false religion with a false prophet. Uh you know, and so I can see how they would be so wicked and evil. But I'll tell you what blows me away is that we're looking at baptized Roman Catholics, Ruben, that are absolute pariahs and monsters in the country of Mexico. And that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah, I just, um, you know, you would think that they're baptized Catholics. But, you know, you remember during the Cristero War, I mean, that that socialist movement that was infiltrating Mexico that has had, you know, a, an effect on it because some of these people haven't got baptized. That's true. There were right. there were some of those generals, you know, and, and Father yeah, I'm making, Mur- I'm making a, an assumption. Yeah. You're right. Father Murr talked about that one uh, general that he he uh, 
gave the last rites to that uh, was old and he, he had never been baptized, you know, so this could be the result of, uh, you know, they, they've, they've turned their, they made their God uh, money and, uh, you know, and these poor nations, these people, they come, they have no hope for, uh, Hey, I'm going to be a, this or I'm going to be a that and, and I'm going to be able to support my family. I mean, they're making peanuts over there with even those, the, the police officers, they, they make chump change. And um, that's why they're so ripe for, for briberies. That's why, you know, they, they take they, a lot of them. They're playing double duty. They're, they're working for the cartels and they're working for the police officers. So they're tipping the cartels off as to what's going on. And they get, they're getting a cut or they make uh they, they, they go after make bus on the rival cartels. And it's, it's a it's a, a shame to see what Mexico has has become, and uh, you know there's a the United States has already put out a, a warning that uh, that they should not we should not be traveling to Mexico, and I know I still have uh, friends that that want to go out there to some of these resorts. Even the resorts have have had some uh, atrocities, you know, you know um, Acapulco for one, and then just recently. Um, uh, Cancun had something going on over there. Ruben, it's funny you say that because I've been here in Arizona for seven years, and I've tried to get my wife every summer. I want to take her out to. There's a resort here that uh, that touches uh, with Mexico. It's called Rocky Point, and all the Arizonians and a lot of people, you know, go out there and stuff uh, mm-hmm. to that resort. It's about a three hour drive, probably from from downtown Phoenix. My wife in seven years has never wanted to go. It's like pulling teeth. No, I'm not going to go to Rocky Point. I said, Anita, it's a resort. Let's go and ha- spend the weekend and stuff. We'll find mass out there and let's just go out there and hang out by the beach for coke. No, th- I mean, there's just no way I can get her to go. Intuitively, she probably knows something that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. W- my wife and I will not set foot in Mexico and we discourage anyone from going. It's so Jesse, when I worked, my last assignment was I was working the DEA task force. Uh, so the last five years and you're, so, you're involved in this stuff, Ruben. Well, yeah, but you know, it was from a different standpoint. Right, right. But, yeah, exactly. But still, uh, because I was in this, this group, I was getting these, these, uh, Intel emails every day, uh, at least four or five times a week. Um, uh, and it was giving us updates on Mexico. They were showing the, it, the things were, I was seeing, it, it would blow your mind. It, the, the pictures, the graphic images that, daily were sent in, you know, um, people that were hung and decapitated arms. And it, limbs. it doesn't make the mainstream press anymore. Oh, does oh it? no, 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 not at all. And, they, and they do it for effect. These cartels are, it's to, to instill fear in, in the, in the, in the other gangs, other rival gangs, and, and also the community They they better, they better toe the line. And um, so after seeing what I saw, <laughs> I, you know, I, you, you can't, I can't unsee it. So there's yeah. no way I would put my family in, in danger just to go have a good time. I, I'll go find a good time somewhere, somewhere else. Uh, you know, you can find some nice beaches. Well, you know what? I haven't, I've listened to my wife for the last seven years. I haven't gone. I haven't gone. You know, yeah. I just like, kind of like, Hmm, maybe she knows intuits something that I don't intuit. And I just, we don't go. Yeah. Yeah. She's right. <laughs> She's right. So let, let me give you this. I'll maybe I'll start with this. Look at Mex- the, Mexico, the number of murders in Mexico, 2021. Okay. Over 28,200 murders were reported in Mexico in 2021. Guanajuato was the state with most intentional homicides that year, amounting to wow. 
28, 23 cases. Baja, California, which is right here where a lot of people think, oh, that should be okay, but it's right here by California, registered the second highest number of murder cases with 2,650. Then when it comes to the number of homicides in general, including both murder and manslaughter, Guanajuato also ranked first. And then 2020, in Mexico's homicide rate remained high. Uh, it went up from 2019. They said there was Authorities hailed the decline. This was a decline from 2019. 34,515 homicides in 2020. Wow. Yeah, that was a, that was a, only 133 fewer than the 34,648 committed in 2019. This was during COVID lockdowns. So the decline is, is equivalent to just one over a day's worth of the average daily homicide toll of 95 killings. 95 killings a day. Ruben, so since you've got an updated article from the one I send you, how many crime families would you say are in Mexico? What, what, how many crime families? There were seven, I guess, back about 15 years ago in some of the older articles I send you. But in the new information that you looked up, uh, how many crime families are there presently in Mexico? How many cartels? Uh, so, well, there's, <clears throat> let's see, let me have the, uh, let me see, get the right, pull the right one up. Um, yeah, because you sent me two articles. One was a BBC article. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I just have it on different uh, posts here. Yeah, they're um, okay. Yeah, I just give the names here. Yeah, yeah, the article you sent me gives the names. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they. Yeah. they, they there's still some that uh, are from the one you sent me. Okay. But uh, I'll I'll read them. Here it is. Here's here they are the, from the article you sent me. The what's, Sinaloa what, cart. What's the, the title of that one? This one is called The Most Dangerous Drug Cartels in Mexico 2021. Mm-hmm. It's from Mexico Daily Post. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. So, and of course, I'm going to get into the spiritual implications of this. So don't think we just, uh, you know, we're just talking, uh, you know, just macabre stuff here. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll, get, I'll go and do a deep dive spiritually. You got the Sinaloa cartel. Okay, here's, a, you know, one set of sons of Satan here. Then you have, it says the Gulf cartel one of the oldest organizations in Mexico. Mm. Then you have the Carteles Unidos. That uh, operates mainly in the states of Michoacán and Guanajuato. That's where a lot of my family's from, mainly Michoacán. Then you have Los Zetas. They, they've been around a long time. It says they were the first cartel to use extreme violence. Uh, their regions border around Laredo and Eagle Pass, Texas. Then you got Los Rojos, <clears throat> which is a split from the Beltran Leva organization, yeah. which in recent years has become one of the most powerful criminal organizations in Mexico. Uh, the article says, in addition to generating violence in Mexico, Los Rojos are responsible for the trafficking of numerous illicit drugs, including heroin, to the United States. Ruben, in your, I mean, because you're still connected with that world, uh, all these guys are involved in fentanyl as well, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, de- yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so it's yeah. not one or the other. They, 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 they're, they're trafficking in fentanyl and heroin, right? Yeah. The Sinaloan, since they're they're a little closer up north, and they we're getting a, a lot from from Sinaloa, the the cartels, and it's doing a number on on people here in the United States. We've had uh, I can't tell you how many murders we've had here, but the the fentanyl murder rate is huge up here in, in the United States. Okay, we'll be right back. We'll continue talking about this wicked wicked country because of the cartels. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're back to Matt Carr. We got our uh we got the champ back. He's uh he's feeling better and it's good to have you. <laughs> Jesse, uh let's go back to the the first article you sent about the the you know the the routes uh, with the one with the map. Yeah. Yeah, because th- what we're seeing now is because of all this Joe Biden uh mass immigration. Um this I have a hard time calling him Biden. I want to call him something else, but it's a Catholic program, so I just refrain. <laughs> I have a hard time calling him Biden. Yeah. Yeah, I almost said the BR. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we're seeing this this infiltration of this country. And um, and this who's benefiting from all this? this? The cartels, because they're 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 not only involved in drugs now, they're they're involved in anything that makes them money. Human trafficking, uh, you know, um, knockoff you know, purses and, you know, all those top brands that, uh, you know, our, our wives spend thousands of dollars on, <laughs> uh, over the years that, uh, those, those, they, they make knockoffs and they, they, they make out knockoff cigarettes and then it all comes up here there. You could see it being sold in uh, downtown LA and, um, Ruben, here's something else I want to ask you since you're probably still connected with that world. It's my guess that, the Mexican cartels are probably they, they're probably uh, collaborate with the Mexican mafia in California. Would that you, you think that's a true statement, or they're independent of each other? Yeah, some time ago, like in the in the nineties, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, there was a there's a there was a, a, a very violent gang down in uh, in San Diego called uh, Barrio Logan, and um, they started uh, they started working with them and they was getting these little uh some little soldiers that would come over and they would they would come to this because they had you know citizenship here they they would would come out and do their hits up here in who they wanted to execute they, they'd have these these guys going out into you know even nice areas of orange county I, I've, I've seen documentaries wow uh where they're these these gangsters are out taking out people um here in, in the states and uh, there was uh, one cardinal that was killed, and uh, you know I, sh- I probably should have looked that up. But there was a, yeah, there was a a, a botched um, sh- shooting that occurred as as this cardinal, I think, believe was he was you know getting out of his car, pulling up in his car at the airport, and and they uh, they executed him there. So mm. yeah, there's been a number of a number of shootouts, and so the the. The the Mexican mafia has the hand in it because then too they're they're involved in just racketeering and, and making money, and so whatever it's gonna and so they they sell dope on the streets here so they have to have their connections with uh, yeah with with the cartels that's where they're getting it from yeah with the Mexican mafia here mm-hmm. yeah I I read another article I should have I should have sent it to you it says that. Uh, it's a recent article that said that 90% of the marijuana in, in uh, California is being controlled by the Mexican mafia. So these are Mexican-Americans here from California. They're not Mexicanos. They're Mexican-Americans. Prison gang that's moved into the streets that they control 90% of the marijuana industry in California right now. I have also read that much of the marijuana that we get, at least before it became legal in California in some of their states, much of it would come from Mexico. I don't know if that's still the case right now, Ruben, because I think you know people are growing it here now. They're still running up. There's still, uh, you know, loads that are being confiscated, and 
Yeah, so the the legislators they thought, oh, we're going to make some money. Um, you know, we're going to be able to tax them, and and you know, it's going to put the uh, the cartels out of business. And the people in the know were saying, no, it's going to make it it's going to make it worse. The cartels are going to have you know, they're going to run amok because of this. You know, so it's not become a black market, and they've under they probably undercut the price of uh, of the mainstream uh, marijuana industry here in California, and so they're making money hand over fist, right? Yeah, yeah. So the cartels could provide these uh, you know marijuana dispensaries with with dope, um, you know, at a lower cost than the state can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Ruben, here's here's my take. Uh, now here's now here's where my my Catholic thinking cap I'm putting it on. Here's uh the 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 average his Mexican. Let's talk about Mexicans right now because this is the, these are Mexican um, drug cartels. The Mexican is a hybrid between Spanish Spain and Aztec Mexico. So within the veins of the average Mexican, you have uh, again you have Aztec warrior. And you got Spanish conquistador. That that's the blood that runs through our veins. Now, uh, it, it's what you do with that. When you take, you know, the Aztec warrior, the Spanish conquistador blood that runs through the veins of the Mexican, coupled with concupiscence, our fallen nature, which means we have an inclination to evil. And if it's not purified by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by a life of prayer, the sacraments. Uh, that the, well, we, we're seeing in Mexico exactly a result of, uh, you know, the Aztec warrior, the Spanish conquistador bloodline, coupled with concupiscence, coupled with a lack of knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have what we call the cartels. Uh, and you'll also find within all the cartels, and that's not only with the cartels, Mexican cartels, it's also the you know Black Panther Party or white supremacy groups. One of the things that all of them have is they have a moral relativist worldview. Which, what I mean by that, they don't have any understanding of what's right or what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Every one of them, black gangs, Mexican gangs, white gangs, Asian gangs, all of them decide what's right for themselves. They're moral relativists. In other words, they say it's true for me and I believe it. I don't care if it's not true for you. And so you'll find that all these misfit gang member mafiosos, all of them have embraced moral relativism, which is a theological heresy. Uh, In other words, they don't have a clear understanding of good and evil, right and wrong, truth and error. They base their actions on their personal opinions. They base their actions on their sentiments, their feelings, and what can... uh, and what can increase their wallet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, Jesse. And not to mention, they're, um, you know, they pray to these these demons, you know, Malverde and mm-hmm. uh, Santa Muerte. And what nothing, <laughs> nothing's good going to come from it. I mean, uh, they, uh, they're entrenched in this, this uh, demon, demonization of, of everything. So, Ruben, you know why they've done that? Here's, here's my take on that. Because at least they're cultural Catholics or they've grown up in a Catholic society and they've seen, okay, this Catholic church has been around for centuries. They have, they have God, they have saints. And so to me, the Mexican cartels, what they've done, 
they they try to justify their actions by I'm fixing my camera here. They try to justify their actions by by making what I call narco saints. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's 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 a it's a cheap knockoff of the Catholic faith. You know, Jesus Malverde and, and uh, you know some other narco saints that they have. They try to come up with narco saints. Why? Because they're trying to moralize their crime. They're they're trying to get, they're trying to satisfy their moral the moral side of them. Saying no, this is a religion much like the Catholic faith, and so in their minds, I believe that you know they obviously they've altered uh, the beauty of the Catholic faith with this. I've also read that the cartels are the ones that started Santa Muerte. That's the because again, like the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that all of us are religious beings. Uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas says we're homo religioso. We're religious beings. We know that there's a God. Mm-hmm. We know that there's something beyond us, something bigger and greater than us. And so, even these narco saints, as evil as they are, they understand that there's something greater than them. And so they've come up with a, a, a pseudo-religion, it's a narco-religion, and they've got their narco-saints and their narco-deity, Santa Muerte. Mm-hmm. But in this way, I think they feel that they're, they're, they're fulfilling that spiritual side of them that we all have. Because again, you know, the, the doctors and fathers of the church have said that every human being is a spiritual being drawn to, drawn to the otherworldly. Mm. Yeah, and then they they put their they put curses on on a lot of the drugs that are going northbound and going across the United States. There's curses on these, and you know, uh, and and in scripture, you know, we we can't be involved with, with anything that uh, that is uh, offered to the demons. And um, yeah. Ruben, that goes in to show you the, the parallel to the Catholic faith. Yeah. It's a it's a parallel because the opposite of a curse is a blessing. So everything that the Catholic Church does, priests are always blessing, blessing, blessing. We bless ourselves in our, within our families in our prayers. They do the opposite, but again, they feel it's a religious practice. They curse, which is the malediction. Uh, but again, because I think they're tr- in their soul, they're trying to fulfill that need to worship something beyond themselves. Yeah, yeah, Jesse, there's... Um... You, you know, some of them are also like, for instance, uh, Chapo Guzman, who was running the Sinaloa cartel for years until he, he got busted and he actually got convicted up here in uh, in New York. So his sons are still running it. Um, but he would give thousands and thousands of dollars to the Catholic churches out there. And he was married a number of times and and he was married in the church, you <laughs> Because he, he he'd given him so much money, it was like a bribe, and uh, and um, he, he you know he saw himself as kind of like a like a Robin Hood, you know, um, he, he's going to help the poor, and uh, so in some in some cases they they revered him because he was giving them money, he was helping their cause, but um, but yeah, so there's that you know he's he's still feeling that that pull from his Catholic faith. That to uh, to help the church, but uh, it's all being done in the wrong way. And right, yeah. it's an it, yeah, it's and it's a perversion of 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 uh, of the of the true religion and corporal spiritual works of mercy. Uh, Ruben, it's much like the Italian mafia two hundred years ago when they uh, 
in this country when we started here 246, 47 years ago. Uh, when the Italians started forming a mafia over in the East Coast, which they basically, it was a template from Sicily, they started doing the same thing. A lot of them would, would, would marginally hang on to their Catholic faith. They'd give a lot of money to the churches. Uh, they'd go baptize their children. They'd get married in the church. Uh, and again, it was because I think there is a need within every single one of us because we're religious beings and we have a need to worship something outside ourselves, even though the way of doing it was perverted, but they were still hanging on by a thread. I think the same thing happens with these Mexican cartels. Uh, they're hanging on by a thread. I mean, there's, you know, there's still, there's still the possibility of conversion because they understand that there's something greater than them. And a lot of their practices parallel the Catholic faith. So, uh, again, God can convert anybody. They can, all, they can have a St. Dismas moment, and, and most of us will never know about mm-hmm. it. You're right. You're right. Okay, we'll be right back. Coming up, we'll continue talking about the cartels and the impact this having here on the, uh, on the United States as well. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. We are talking about the cartels, the Mexican cartels, and uh, what has, has transpired since probably in the uh, probably in the 80s where it was starting to come up. Um, you remember the big... Uh, the the big uh, information on drugs, the big things w- was the Colombian cartels, and um, so now uh, the Mexican have kind of overtaken the, those the, the amount of drugs that is being produced. Um, that, that's right. They're still they're still producing. Um, Colombia is still producing them, but um, but now in, in that first map, going back to that first map you mentioned, yeah, there was, the article was talking about how we they were going um, from Brazil to the United States and then making their trek through those. And, and getting their their drugs out to the to the people, and it's 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 happening here. We're getting so much crime because our border patrol agents cannot. They're just so overworked. There's no way that so many people get away each day. It's, it's, well, it's because of this president yeah. because we had the most secure border under Donald Trump that we've had in our lifetime, and this. Um, <clears throat> Uh, this unelected president, uh, he's the one that created this uh, absolute nightmare in the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and there's uh, one of the most brutal gangs out there is this uh, the the Jalisco New Gener- Generation, the Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generacion, and um, they the cartel's led by this guy. He's got a good first name, but that's the only thing. His name is Ruben Oseguera. <laughs> he's known as El Mencho, he, and he's a former police officer who's He's Mexico's most wanted man. He's got a bounty on him for $10 million. And um, the Jalisco cartel is one of the main dis- distributors of synthetic drugs on the continent. And uh, it's a key player in the illegal amphetamine market in the U.S. and Europe. It's, it's also has thought to have links to the drug market in Asia, which it is true. And just so the, the further north the drugs go, the more expensive they become. So that's why they were coming to L.A. to get their drugs from the East Coast. Mm. 
and that's what we were doing. We were I was working the airport, so we were we were attacking the uh, the money that was coming in to to fund to buy their drugs, and then they would uh, they would transport them back uh, through they FedEx them, they UPS them, they 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 drive them back, and uh, they make four or five times the amount. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, the, the, but you know, they're getting they're getting some of the top weapons, Jesse. This oh is yeah. Why, why it's so violent is because they are are, are they're, they're armed ro- to the teeth. Rocket propelled grenades. They, you know, they've killed dozens of uh, state officials. They've even been able to shoot down a helicopter. Um, and one of the articles I sent you, they have a submarine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, that looked like it was stuck in a in a, a yeah. low, low uh, water, but. There's also the um, the the fact that we're they're getting their their guns from from us here and and they have runners that are going all the way down there to uh, to or they're coming up from from the United States they're going down to the to take their weapons down there and uh, it, it, so a lot of the ATF there's a big movement that to to try to stop these guns from going on going down there and. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, but they 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 stop some of them, but they can't stop all of them. And then because of that, the Mexican check this out: the Mexican government is going to sue these gun companies because, like you know, Beretta, Smith and Wesson, uh, Glock, and uh, there's about five uh, gun uh, manufacturers that they're going after because they're saying, you know, they they're, they want to hold them responsible for. For all these deaths, now, you know they did that with you know they did that with cigarettes here in the states. You know they, they were suing the, the the companies because people were getting cancer because of of uh, of the cigarettes and the tar nicotine. So I don't know if, if how, how it's going to work if if they're going to win their case and to to try to make them uh, held accountable for hmm. the deaths. I think it's pretty hard, far fetched. But hmm. well, let me tell you how let me tell you how his, uh, baptized Hispanic becomes a a wicked satanic gang member number one the bible says that there's two types of people on planet earth you have spiritual a spiritual man and an unspiritual man saint paul talks about the distinctions in first corinthians chapter two you have a spiritual man that believes is guided by the holy spirit then you have the unspiritual man these are people that things that that believe the things of god are foolish so number one, these gang members are unspiritual men. Second thing, these gang members are more carnal men. What I mean by that, they follow what 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 satisfies their 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 predator appetites. But they only do that, Ruben, because they have a poorly formed moral conscience. What do I mean by that? Their mind is not enlightened by the Word of God. It's not enlightened by uh, by the, by the doctrines of the Catholic Church, they don't have a life of prayer. In fact, they have a life of praying to, to demons, which is quite the opposite. So they're invoking demons, which means that they have disordered emotions, disordered passions, which which gives them this inclination to embrace evil. And the 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 gang member, they're basically Pope John Paul II used a term like thirty years ago. For a lot of people uh, in, in America, he said there's a lot of baptized non-believers. Baptized non-believers. That, that was a John Paul II term about 35, 40 years ago. 
And what he meant by that, he meant that there's a lot of people baptized in North America and South America that are ignorant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're ignorant of Jesus and ignorant of his gospel. That's, that's what he calls, I think in Mexico, you have in Latin America, you have a lot of, and same with the U.S., you have a lot of baptized non-believers. Now, if you're a baptized non-believer, you don't have a prayer life, you don't have a sacramental life, because the sacraments is what gives you power to resist evil. If you don't have that in place, then guess what? Then the devil's strategy is simple. It's in the Bible, 1 John 2.15. The devil will move you to have what's called the lust of the flesh. These gang members have this, this, this insatiable appetite to satisfy their flesh. Number two, the Bible says you have the lust of the eyes. In other words, I want, I want, I want greed, greed, avarice. I want more, more, more. And number three, 1 John 2.15, and the pride of life. They're proud because they have the best weapons out there. They intimidate everybody. They intimidate law enforcement. And so these, these gang members, they're in love, not with Jesus or his gospel. They're in love with this fallen world of Satan. And since their moral conscience is not properly formed according to the world of God, they live by what I would call the, the predator Darwinian ethics, which is what? Only the strong survive. Survival of the fittest. Mike, might makes right. Ruben, the, these, these cartels, they live much like the people do in the jail. We worked in the jails. And you know, it, what runs the jail? Darwinian evolution ethics. The strong survives. That's why in the jail we had to keep the, the strong blacks in one side. The strong Hispanics on, a, on their own side of the jail, their own you know, module. Uh, and we had to keep the strong whites that would group together in another part of the jail. Because again, they're, they're predators. With, without faith in God, you become a monster. And that's not just me saying it. This is the doctors of the church. St. Teresa of the Little Flower says, unless a person is meditating and praying 15 minutes a day, they're not even a human person. They're monsters. Mm. What say you? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jesse. Uh some of these guys, they'll try to, uh, I'll give you a story. Um, you know, someone very close to me who was, uh, whose name I won't mention because she was involved in a lot of, uh, you know, seizures and stuff. And, uh, she, they, they were following this, this cartel guy up into, uh, your old stomping grounds up in, you know, uh, Sanfer. Sanfer. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the, you know, they're putting out on the radio, okay, well, hey, he's stopping at a Catholic church, you know. He's mm. he's stopping at a Catholic church. And and so they've got the four corners covered as they're surveilling him. And he, he, he goes in there, and he's in there for some time. So this person I know, uh, who will remain nameless, she walked in there, to, to you know, just to, uh, to see what he was at and just act like she was there to pray. Mm. And he was there... He was there praying before he was going to go make his deliveries that, that the delivery would get would go through. So they try to cover all their bases. But, ah, man, imagine that. How you know? dark is that, Ruben? Yeah, that is dark. In, ca in, in case somebody, you know, for you listening, in case you're thinking that God listens to you when you're in mortal sin, he doesn't. <laughs> it's in it's in John chapter nine, verse thirty one. God doesn't listen to people that are in mortal sin unless you repent. And that's also church teaching that goes way back into the to the Middle Ages, that when you're in mortal sin, uh, you merit nothing through your prayers. Nothing. That's church teaching. 
Rubens, one of the other things about these gang members is is and and here's where these gang members, these cartels, this is kind of where they a similarity between them and actual demons. What is it? These cartels, these guys are fascinated with death. Yeah. Who else is fascinated with death? Demons. The end game of a demon is to get us to kill ourselves and to end up in hell. Demons and gang members have this fascination with death. Mm -hmm. These gang members have embraced what we call the culture of death. Demons are the ones that have spawned the culture of death. And so these guys, they may not realize it in this lifetime, but what they are is that they're agents of Satan. They're sons of Satan insofar as the way they're living right now. It doesn't mean that there's not the possibility of conversion and salvation for them. But at the present moment, if they're in one of these cartels, they are right now sons of Satan and they are collaborating. They have psychological compatibility with demons. Mm, that's right. Yeah, that's right, Jesse. And and so those people that maybe have, you know, maybe from their, their upbringing, their, their mom or their, their their grandmother have taught them how to pray or um, to tell them to do the right thing, and they've strayed, they're still part of that, their, their conscience that tells them, hey, I, I've got to gotta continue. Or, or, I'll cover, try to cover all my bases, you know. And mm. let's 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 I'll stop in at the church and I'll 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 make an offering here. I'll give you know I'll light yeah. a candle and, yeah. and whatnot. So, but they also use they have Catholic saints on a lot of their vehicles like Saint Jude, you know, San Judas. They, you you see that as a, a pretty popular saint because he's a saint mm -hmm. of the impossible. All right, one more segment. We'll be coming back. And as you know, I'm wearing my uh, my ranchera shirt here. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're back. Hey, Jesse, you know, uh, we're talking about cartels, and, you know, one of the, the things that uh, they're known for is their, the Mexican cartel corridos. They're, it's a narco, a narco corrido. It's a Spanish pronunciation. Um Narco corrido or drug ballad is a subgenre of the of the regional Mexican uh, corrido. Yeah, they have their own music. Yeah, so much like the rappers have their music. Yes, and they glorify what they're doing. They glorify the the lifestyle, the death, mm -hmm. the you know, uh, just the um, the way they, um, they the, it, the adrenaline rush. And um, so, in some some parts of the country, I know. Um, they made They're like it, heroes, Ruben. Right. They're like heroes. They've They're made like it, Robin Hoods. Yeah, they've made it illegal to to play this li this music, these songs live. Uh, the like the, the Chihuahua has has a twenty five thousand dollar fine if if uh, they played these, some of these ballads uh, live. And uh, wow. one of the famous fam one of the famous uh, groups, the Los Tigres del Norte, they they uh, they violated that and they've gone after them. So. Yeah. Well, that's a good sign. At least the government is uh, starting to exercise some muscle here instead of collaborating with them. Ruben, yeah. something else about these Mexican drug cartels and gangs in general, even the Mexican-American gangs in California, you'll find one of the things one of the things that they have in common is, and uh, all gang members in general, but we're talking about the drug cartels, is that they like to run in packs. And they do that. I mean, that's smart. They operate together in, in numbers. Why? It's for greater effect and also for purposes of intimidation. 
And so that's one of the things that they do successfully. The gangs use intimidation as a source of pride, power, ego enhancement. And, uh, and, and so you'll also find uh, another thing that uh, these drug cartels are fascinated with, and gang members as well, mm-hmm. is that they're always preoccupied with names. You notice that? We're the, we're the Sureños. We're the, you know, we're the Maravilla. We're, we're, we're the, you know, the Sinaloa cartel. They're fascinated and they're preoccupied with names. They, they, you know, especially here in California, they put their names on streets, on parks, on hills, on valleys, on housing projects. Yeah. And, and they're also fascinated with nicknames. They, they'll, they'll, they'll adopt nicknames to try to fit maybe sometimes the physical or the psychological characteristic of the person, mm-hmm. like el monstro, you know, el, you know, el tigre. And, and they'll do that once again. It's for purposes of intimidation. And again, I, uh, <coughs> the same thing with the Mexican cartels. They do the same thing. There's a fascination with nicknames to try to intimidate, uh, to let people know that we're a threat. And they're also fascinated with their own cartel name, as a, as a means of again uh, keeping people in check and also to to just really really just try to intimidate those around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when those the gangs here and there they they when they write their lacaso they write their their monikers and and their gang names their or their cartel names up on the walls. It's to to let the people know we own this. We, this is yes. our area. It's the territorial. You can't come in here without our approval. You can't sell here without our approval, and you're going to be paying taxes. And that's another thing is, is they they tax everybody. You know, so just to run your regular little mamba pop business, you have to pay the cartels to, so t- t- they start taxing you so that you, uh, you you're actually they say you're paying for our protection. You know, and but they keep going back and and, and taking and taking and taking from these these small businesses, and pretty soon. These businesses have to go out of business because they, they they can't they can't afford it, or, or and if they don't pay, they get killed and they get hurt. Um, That's right. Yeah. One of the things also about these Mexican drug cartels and gang members here in, in California and the Southwest it, is that they're very territorial. Mm-hmm. You'll see that. That's the you see the map that I send you about the territories of these seven drug cartel families in Mexico. That's the primary way that they that they mark their territory from other cartels or other gang members, and uh, especially amongst gang members, there's a lot of graffiti, uh, a lot of, of of the gang in the area, and graffiti is a form of vandalism, but it's also a way of telling people, hey, this belongs to us, stay out. Mm-hmm. So it's they're they're marking their territories also with uh, with the graffiti. And, uh, you know, also it's a form of intimidation for those people that live there. And, and just to see kind of even on a, on a micro level, the way gang members, they operate, they under, they're very territorial. You've seen it, Ruben. When we, we worked East L.A. and Cudahy, I saw several instances where these young gang members would walk around their neighborhood, the surroundings of their neighborhood. They'd walk around with these, uh, you know, with a Rottweiler or a pet bull at the end of a leash you know, mm-hmm. with a big chain, it's, this dog is almost pulling them, and they'd be walking around like you know, you know, Arizona Maravilla or or Eloyo Maravilla, just around the perimeter, as if to let people know, uh, 
this is our neighborhood. Don't cross these borders. Mm-hmm. So, again, they're very territorial. And I think these gang members from here in, in, in the southwest in the U.S., they've learned this from the Mexican cartels back over in Mexico. Yeah. And then the, the more ruthless they could be, um, for instance, when they when they hang bodies off of bridges, it's for the whole city to see. This is what what's going to happen to you if you don't comply. And it's just for effect. And uh, they're it's, it's very barbaric, Jesse, in the way they they're they're torturing people. It's like you think you hear stories about the Aztecs and you go, man, I don't know if the Aztecs had anything on these people. Wow. The, the the torture that they inflict, there's just savagery that, uh, well, the, the person's alive and they're, you know, hacking off uh, limbs and body parts and things like that. And, it, and, it, and they're videotaping it and they mm. send it out. And the, there's like an underground uh, network where you can see these things. It's, you know, I don't know why you would want to. I've seen enough of them. Uh, and every year at our narcotics, uh, California Narcotics uh, Officers Association, I was a part of that and we would go to these conferences every year and there was this one class where they would they would show all this graphic stuff and in without fail you know grown men and women would pass out hit the ground they'd have to be you know get medical attention because they they hurt themselves with because they they passed out and they hit their head or because they just it's it upsets their stomach we're not meant to see that kind of stuff yes, it's, right well, yeah. Let, let me mention these last couple of minutes uh, why this happens and some of the solutions. Number one, uh, one of the reasons all of this happens is a, a person comes from a, a, a little baby, innocent baby, you know, uh, probably baptized by Catholic parents and he turns into a monster is is because, uh, again, he's he's never been evangelized, never been catechized. So he lives, he, he has a, a malformed conscience and number two, he's been pumping his his uh, his mind with narcotics, alcohol, and drugs for years and years. So this desensitizes you to reality. They they live in a constant state state of of confusion, uh, of 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 uh, again just of they're constantly numb to reality because again they're, they're most of these guys are drug and alcohol abusers. So what does that do? It weakens the intellect. It it weakens the it weakens the the will. They live lives extremely, you know, of extreme confusion. They're moral relativists. You also find a lot of times, not always, a lot of times they come from broken homes. There's a weak father or a, or an absentee father or no father. Or maybe there is a father, but mom and dad are just pagans themselves. They're not practicing the Catholic faith. And so it's never been communicated to the children. So they grow up like feral animals, Ruben. Mm. Uh, another thing. I think what a lot of gang members are looking for is they're looking for family. Right. And because a lot of our families are falling apart for one reason or another, the the gang it becomes a pseudo family, quasi family where they're because they're looking for family. Mm-hmm. Uh and 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 again, if you find a bad family, it's going to have it's going to affect you. St. John Bosco says, "Tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are." Right. I think another thing that these gang members are looking for, they're looking for security. All of us want security. We see this world is going crazy. If they don't find it within their family, this basic sense of security against, again, you know, all the uncertainties of the world, the Fauci, the CCP, the, the next pandemic, the next, you know, Yuval Harari, what, he wants to connect us to the Internet. Uh, you know, Klaus Schwab says you owe nothing by truth. There's so much, so much stress and uncertainty in the world 
that these guys, if they don't find that support, that vital support of love within the family, they're going to find it outside. And they find it within gangs. And, and finally, ultimately, once again, uh, they haven't been taught about the, the, the promises of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They haven't been taught about the promises of eternal life. They haven't been given the hope of heaven. And so uh, this is why a lot of these guys, when they go to prison and they're isolated in, in four walls, when they hear the basic gospel message, Reuben, a lot of these guys, they just completely reject their past and radically em- embrace in a very simple way the gospel of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in a jail cell, and they'll stay there for the rest of their life. But sometimes that's what it takes to take this predator from, from outside of the world where there's all kinds of temptation and freedom, lock him up, isolate him, and he has nothing else, no drugs, no alcohol, no pornography, nothing. And at that moment, Reuben, God is able to speak to this person. And a lot of these guys do have St. Dismas moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesse, and that, and that's why... You know, I, I've always been a proponent of the of the death penalty because when they're Amen. sitting there Amen. on death row Amen. for their heinous crimes, and it's they're going to have a come to Jesus moment or or not. So they have yeah. that's a that's a, a a moment where Jesus can have mercy on them, and they yes. can, and they they have that time to to think things through and and end well. It's not how you start; it's how you end, right? Amen. <laughs> that's right. Amen. It's how you end. Yeah. It's not how strong you start; it's how strong you finish. There's six points I want to make that if we evangelize these gang members, these guys would make incredible soldiers for Christ. Number one, they have loyalty to each other. That, that's a good trait to be a soldier of Christ. Number two, they have uniformity in mission and purpose. Number three, they have a lifelong commitment to the gang. Number four, they proselytize, they actively recruit. Number five, the security is provided by the gang. Number six, uh, they have love. Love exists amongst these gang members, even though it's disordered. Think about those six things that I just said. If we evangelize and bring these gang members back to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in the Roman Catholic Church, these guys would become incredible soldiers of Christ. Yep. We just can't give up on, on them. These are our no. brothers and sisters. No. So continue to pray for them. Um, and, and just if you get that moment, uh, if you ever have an opportunity, just sit down and uh, and and share the gospel message and and that's what we were able to do jesse one-on-one with some of these guys that we yes. came across yes yeah was, anyway uh good stuff yep you're listening to jesus 911. if you like what you hear uh like share it with your friends and uh stay tuned for hands-on apologetics with gary mishuda from the midwest command center we are 10-7 we are eow in the watch